You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with the Gun Show, the Responsible Gun Owners Podcast. This week, Everyday Carry. Got a conversation with Michael, and he talks about five things you need to know about EDC. Mike's going to share the effective ways to train on a budget. And I got a little Georgia on my mind in our history segment. And then I'm going to get personal and share something I got going on at the end of the show. All this and more coming up next on episode number 579 of your favorite righteous podcast, The Black Man with a Gun Show. I want to tell you up front, I had a good time with this episode. I put a little bit of you, a little bit of me, a little bit of us in this thing. I realized last week that having a co-host can be a benefit. You know, Michael has helped me in times when I was frustrated with the politics of gun rights. His being new and still excited to the movement is sometimes contagious. I've been blessed and cursed by being in the Second Amendment community long enough to see folks come and go, not get compensated or appreciated for what I've done, and see some new people get kudos for less work. You will hear, I hope, an improvement in my attitude on this week's show. And I've been doing this thing for over 20 years. And I'm becoming the grumpy old man behind the microphone. I'm trying to stop. I swear I am. JW, take us away. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Five things you should know about EDC. Michael, how you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Just um, enjoying this week. I'm getting some things done and possibly going to hit up the range and zero this new scope that I got. Oh, nice. What uh, distance you be shooting at? Um, this right here is just going to be zeroing. So I'm going to start it off at um, 25 meter, get my 25 meter zero, which is basically 100 meter to 300 meter zero. And um, get this new scope and new rifle competition ready. Do you use uh, shooting rest when you do it or are you doing it offhand? No, I do it just like we do it in the military. Just throw that magazine in there. Set the rifle on top of the magazine and go at it. Really? Yeah, man. I don't. I don't do anything fancy. Um, when I when I do my shooting stuff, uh-huh. and a lot of people think I'm like bougie like that for some reason. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, like if you ever see me like when I mount a scope, like uh-huh. on Instagram, I showed a picture of um my rifle with the new scope on it. Uh-huh. But if you see me do it, man, I got like some um those balancing um. Yeah, beams with the water in it and yeah, the a little leveling thing. Yeah, I, I use that, and I use like um, a flat part and the stairs because you know mm-hmm. something in your house has to be a perfect square. And I just use the the top rafter of the um, the steps, mm-hmm. balance it out, and sit there and look for the bubble, start tightening things down. I, I get ghetto with it, but it works. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you have to write that down, man. That's gonna be like a, a whole new thing right there. We start yeah, something was, new. Yeah, I, I was gonna put it on video. But the whole thing is, you know, like when you do stuff like that, everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk just like the shade tree mechanic, you know, like the guy who repairs your car in the shed out mm-hmm. in the dirt, no semen around, yeah. you know, so um, that's the only reason why I never put it on video because um, 
I don't want to hear the backlash, you know, because I'm like, yo, I've been doing this for years. If it worked for me, so hey, I'm gonna keep it going. <laughs> you might do better in written form. That's people's nobody gonna read. The people who are trolls, trolls don't read. They'll just comment stuff on video. But everybody else that reads will be appreciative that you gave them a step. Yeah. Um, normally, like if somebody was to write me and say, what do you do or how do you do this? I'll tell them. I mean, it's no big secret. Okay. You know? It's all common sense. In my opinion, it's common sense. But, um, you know, as far as the the whole, like, putting it out there, normally I just tell people, like, hey, just go on video and look at it. Okay. But if somebody directly writes me and say, hey, how do you do this? Or can you give me a tip? I'll tell them my process of how to do it. Nice. Mm-hmm. EDC. Yeah. When, when and where to carry a gun is a little like when and where to go naked. In either case, there'll be times and places where you'll find it comfortable. And there's even times and places where others will be happy that you're in that condition. But there's also some times and places when it's inappropriate, when it's offensive and even illegal. We're talking about concealed carry this week, and you've been carrying and you teach concealed carry, so I'm going to let you take it from here. All right, so um, we're talking about EDC. So for those who do not know, EDC means everyday carry. But let me ask you a question right quick, Ken. Um, What are five things you think you should carry or you need for EDC? All right, holster. The right clothing, uh, the right gun, training, and what's the fourth? The last piece would be maybe the extra mag. Okay. Well, I'm going to take it a step further. Okay? okay. So I say for your everyday carry, EDC, you need mindset. Skills, mm. tactics, gear, and insurance. All right. So now I'm going to break it down for you. The mindset portion, I do believe if you conceal carry, you need to have the proper mindset knowing that there is that likely chance that you might shoot someone, mm. you know, either hurt or kill. But also with mindset, depending on where you are in the situation, I believe you need to go in with an aggressive mindset. Meaning if I pull this out, I know for a fact I have to do this. There's no backing down. because once the danger hits, I have to go forward with it. I'm not running from it. So um, the mindset is um important portion with this part of the EDC. Skills, this goes back into the whole, you know, training, shooting, and understanding what you are capable of doing with this firearm. All right. Tactics. This is what you're going to get when you go to a reputable school, whereas you're going to learn how to shoot behind cover. You're going to learn how to manipulate the trigger. You're going to learn how to look at the sights. You're going to learn how everything plays a part. So you know how to effectively get from point A to point B with this firearm in the event you have to use it. But you have to keep practicing to keep this skill relevant in your body. And then, of course, your gear. You can't go out here and buy no fly-by-night stuff, you know. So everybody recommends, um, for me anyway, I always recommend people to get a Kydex holster, you know. 
the lowest. That's the lowest I would go as a Kydex holster. If somebody comes up with a nylon holster or something like material cloth like, mm-hmm. I tell them get rid of that, go with Kydex. And then from Kydex, you can go always go up. You know, and then um the last thing is um insurance. So if you are someone who conceals carry, I always recommend that you have to seek out some form of insurance like USCCA and get yourself covered in the likely chance that something's going to happen. Yeah. So like, you know, normally when you ask people that question, when it comes to EDC, that's the first thing people always says is the gear portion, Mm -hmm. but they don't, they don't think outside the realm of that. Nice. Nice. Depending on where you live, it's called CCW, CPL, CWP, or CHL. How's it um, defined in South Carolina? CWP, Concealed Weapons Permit. Okay. Remember that responsibility comes with that concealed weapon. Um, in many places, the first offense for illegally carrying a gun is a felony. And even if you get charged with a misdemeanor, now all that means technically is that you can get locked up for 364 days versus another day to make it a whole year. CCW and concealed carry is now, there's some provision in it in 48 states um, across the continental U.S., but they're all different. Um, Some have may issue, some have shall issue, and then the best ones have constitutional. For a lot of people, the shall issue, that is a problem in some places. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's more like, oh, we don't like you, so we're not going to give it to you. You know, yeah. so. that was that was how I got started in this whole thing. Back in 91, when I first started, they used me as a speaker, spokesperson of color to actually go to Virginia. Because in back in the day, you could get a farm from it, concealed carry, but the sheriff had to like you. The, the constable had to like you. If you didn't look right to them, didn't matter how upstanding citizen you were that didn't matter if you didn't like the way you looked you got denied so it kind of began this uh movement that we have now folks kind of take it from granted but it's been going on since about 76 of concealed carry mm-hmm. and uh i remember when i first got started florida was a spot um everybody was talking about florida they called it the gunshine state there was this lady that was um, in charge of the Unified Sportsman of Florida. And uh, she finally became president of the NRA for a minute, Marion Hammer. She got the uh, concealed carry pass down there. And folks went nuts back in 87. And they said that uh, concealed carry was going to turn Florida into a Dodge City, that the blood is going to flow in the streets. Fender Benders would turn into firefights, but it never did. And uh, after a while, next thing you know, Concealed carry, they kind of moved across the country, and I was a part of that. It's kind of cool. You know, the one thing that's pretty touching to me is um, when you leave that decision for one person to make for everybody, you mm-hmm. know, so I can go down there. No, you're not going to get it, but you go down there. Okay, we're going to give it to you, all right? Yeah. But it's all based off of some biased decision that they came up with. Totally. You know, so um, because back when I first started looking at suppressors, that's how they used to do suppressors also, mm-hmm. whereas you had to go down to the sheriff's office and had to take some paperwork to him for him to sign it to say yay or nay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? 
And um, I just saw a movie saw last, a movie night, last night, night called uh, Assault, Assault, Assault on, on, on Precinct 13. And it oh, was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was a remake of the original one in the 70s where the fear was a suppressed weapons. And they had this gang that was shooting these suppressed firearms at this police station. And it's a little bit different from the, from the modern version of it. But this one had so many crazy um, scenes in it that weren't true. Like they had um, suppressors on revolvers that these gangs were shooting at people. And I watched this guy with a pump shotgun shoot three rounds before he pumped the shotgun. I mean, it was pretty amazing. And I was like, wow, check that dude out. He was blasted. Blam, blam, blam. Then he cocked it. Then he cocked it back. And I was like, Ooh, what a fancy pump shotgun that is. But um, <laughs> if you're a gun guy or gun lady, check out Assault on Precinct 13. The original one is, um, yeah, it's in the 70s and it will it will crack you up. Oh, man, you know, um, speaking of movies, one movie that I, I enjoy watching is Heat. And I oh, like yeah. watching yeah. Heat yeah. only Heat. for the, um, the gunfire yeah. scene. In the middle of the street. Yes, yes. But it's, oh, it's realistic, that. though. That yeah. was like, Tactically, it was some, on. Yeah. yeah, they they was doing some real research of, hey, let's go to the range, let's do this, let's talk to somebody about this. But whoever was that coordinator for that, they made that realistic. And that's the one part of the movie that I really enjoy. Yeah, that was like a that was like a John Wick moment for back then. <laughs> John Wick began know, some training. Well, you know, John Wick, um, well, Keanu Reeves, he actually does um shooting for real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they I mean, were saying like he wasn't th- as good as he was for the movie until they put him in that um, mm-hmm. um was it Terran Tactical School? Yeah, they, I've seen a couple of his trainers, even in his um his martial artist is um mm-hmm. is a dude on a Twitter handle that I do, and they always share whenever they like get a chance to train with him. I'm like, man, what a job! Yeah, that's that's nice right there. Yeah, and you know this right here is gonna make you laugh also. But you know, actors are real people also, regardless if they're a comedian or if they're like a thriller actor right, or whatever. Right, right. Um, Al Bundy. Oh yeah, he's a black belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah heard Al that. Bundy's a black belt. And um, when I first came across that article and I read it, I was like, what? Because he ended up stopping somebody from um either robbing him or robbing somebody else. I can't remember exactly how it went, but um, came out that he was a black belt. In Taekwondo or Jiu-Jitsu or what? Jiu-Jitsu. You know? jiu-jitsu. In Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, who else that I know about? It's a couple of rappers that do Jiu-Jitsu also. Um, yeah, a lot of actors dope. that do it for um, – because they only do it for the exercise portion mm-hmm. of it. And – um. Uh, what's my man's name? He was married. I think he was married to Demi Moore, but he was younger than her. Ashton, Ashton Kushner. Kushner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has some martial arts too. Yeah. This was like two years ago, a year or two he ago. I know he was a purple belt, so I don't know if he stuck with it oh, or if okay. he advanced further or not. Yeah. Um, but at the time I found out he was a purple belt mm. and I was like, hmm. and I heard Joe Rogan talking about that one. That's the only reason I knew that. Okay, cool, man. And just to put a caveat in here, deadly force is only permissible in a situation of immediate, otherwise unavoidable danger of death or great bodily harm to oneself or another innocent person that you have the right to protect. Um, We're not talking about just concealed carry or concealed weapons permits for, for tough, for, you know, just to be bragging. You're doing this for a reason. And that's why Michael said mindset was important. Don't forget that. 
You said mindset, your gear, your tactics, your skills, and insurance, right? Correct. Not in that order, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got dyslexia, man. I got that's how I go. My nah, you, brain works. You got it. If you want to add a sixth one in there, um, learn how to defend yourself with your hands, whether it be boxing, oh, muay thai, jujitsu, got to whatever some form of a martial art, which means fighting martial art. Totally. Learn, yeah, learn something so you know how to react under that pressure and stress. Yeah. The um, the key thing is once you become a gun rights person, once you become a gun person, you learn about the use of force. You learn about your shortcomings as a person. And it should make you, should motivate you to fix those weak points. Um, if you are a person of smaller stature, you want to do something before or after you don't have your gun. You want to make sure that if you have a just an ink pen available, that you can use that thing properly. Um, you always want to be in the right mind not to be a victim. And it has nothing to do with the gun. The gun, we we, we fight this thing all the time about gun rights, and but it's a mindset of a warrior. It's a person who is not going to let themselves be a victim anymore. And the gun is just another tool. Don't get caught up and think that you got to buy a Desert Eagle, because that's what they have on television. Um, you want to buy the firearm. And you didn't mention that either about the type of firearm that's an EDC gun, um, whether it has to be a big gun or a little gun. Well, Maybe you know, each state has their regulations of the length of the um, firearm. Like, you can't walk around with a shotgun and call that a concealed okay. firearm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can, mm-hmm. but be prepared to go to jail. Right. But, um, but you know, like, Handgun, whatever your preference is, is whatever you desire. Just understand, uh, you sh- walking around with a Desert Eagle for your concealed weapon, mm. you got to deal with the ramifications. What comes after that? You know, considering somebody who normally carries nine millimeter or forty or maybe a three eighty. You know, and um, I know a few people that carry twenty twos around for concealed carry. Mm-hmm. No, I think I forget who said it. Might have been Clint Smith or um, maybe John Farnham. Somebody. Might even be a Bill Rogers, somebody way back in the day, my era, um, and said that the best concealed carry gun is the one that you got. So don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in the gun. Don't get caught up in the in the gun sales and uh, what you see in the magazine or on YouTube. Yeah, because I've always said um, it doesn't matter if you get Smith & Wesson, Glock, Sig. It doesn't matter whatever you get. Get whatever feels comfortable in your hand, whatever you feel comfortable shooting. But whatever tool you get, you have to learn how to master that tool with training and practice. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Folks want to buy stuff and then never train, never go to the range, never get past basics. And uh, they think they're straight, but you're not. I remember um, back when I first came out, you know, started putting it out there like, yo, I'm going to start teaching people how to shoot. And it seemed like all my friends was, hey, I want to get some trigger work done. And I was more like, learn how to shoot and master the gun before you upgrade it. Cause you might not have to upgrade that trigger. Yeah. You know, because I mean, if you can shoot, you can shoot. If you can't shoot, it ain't too much going to help you, <laughs> you know? So, but I, I had a lot of people like hit me up about modifications to the gun. What can they do to get better? You know, I'm more like, everybody learn how cheap to shoot. yeah, like, man, that's just like when you learn how to drive. You know, I don't know about you, but my dad was like, here, you're going to take this car. Right, right. So if you wreck it, I ain't worried about it. 
<laughs> you know, same thing um, with your gun. Whatever you buy, if you bought it stock, keep it stock until you feel like you, you're used to it. You know, just like when, when you ride a motorcycle, you feel like you're used to a motorcycle after three days, but you really don't know how to look at the road, take right, a curve, right. you know, read traffic and all that. Same thing with a handgun. You learn the ins and outs of it before you just jump into the Ferrari of the guns. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people think that that heavy trigger is a negative, but it's there on purpose. The New York trigger, the triggers that are heavy are made so that you don't make an accident happen in a stressful situation. Um, when that adrenaline dump hits you and you get fired up and you're scared to death, you won't even know that thing is like 12 pounds. You don't want to hair trigger when you're nervous and training will save your life, both in and out of the jail. Once you know the reasons for stuff changes everything. But if you just go to buy your gun, you got a used gun from somebody and the trigger is heavy and you don't know anything about that nomenclature of the farm that you have, then you got issues. You got to go past simple and i go a little bit deeper and find somebody who knows that's that's so true but that backs back goes back into that mindset portion we talked about yeah. you know um which rifle which handgun was that i think it was the beretta mm-hmm. they said like if you can perfect or if you can shoot really good with the beretta handgun like all the practice and timing you got to mm-hmm. put into it you perfected every other trigger out there oh because it's difficult it's heavy. It's so heavy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's made, it's made know, to like, be army proof, to be the, the soldier proof. Yeah, so like if you can sit there and keep a steady aim and just keep keyholing. You master everything else out there. <laughs> yeah, revolvers can do that too. Um, but mm-hmm. folks want to want to shortcut that thing and go cowboy and pull the hammer back. Um, yeah. But if if you can master that double double, my mind just went blank. Double action. Double action. That's the word, man. I can't get it out. <laughs> hey, I knew you was going to get it. I was just going to sit here and like, <laughs> pull my popcorn out. You I know, say, right? <laughs> a mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> yeah, I knew you had it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people with revolvers the other day uh, when I went to the gun store, mm-hmm. but you know, my whole thing is, is I'm not really a, a, a revolver guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one. And the only time I really carried it is like when I rode my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Why then? The whole thing is I'm right-handed. So your throttle is on your right hand. Right. And mm-hmm. of course I carry my gun appendix. Mm-hmm. So, but I used to carry the revolver in my left pocket. So in the event that I'm riding, if something did happen, I could just pull out that you know, bust off a couple shots and uh, either get away or stop. <laughs> you know, like, so that's, yeah. So that's how my mind operated. Like I just need a few seconds so I can stop this machine, jump off. And now, you know, my skills are coming to play, you know, hmm. but yeah, so that that's how, how it played out for me. Um, you know, I never ankle carried. Um, I tried it a few times. I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, Let me tell you an ankle, carry, ankle carry story. I, w- I was overseas and we were doing a protective detail. And when we got yeah. to the um, hotel, they were doing a 100% pat down check on all foreigners. So they made you surrender your passport and they were searching us before we can even get into the hotel lobby. And all the people on my detail freaked out because again, to have a gun in this country, you get taken away to jail, but we were here to protect somebody important. So they like all ran back to their car, trying not to be obvious. 
but they're running high powers back in the vehicles. And uh, I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm keeping my gun. Plus, I'm taking another one. So I had two Browning high powers and I started to stick it in my sock. And I had one in a um, Bianchi, like a man purse, which when I got to the door and the guy said, I need to check into your bag. I said, all right, fine. I opened it and it had like this little concealed apartment in there. And he says, okay. So when he started using the wand, I lifted my hands up and then did a little dance and he just avoided it. So I'm thinking, all right, slick. I got through, but I had this Browning in my sock, which is not a good holster. So I'm walking in the lobby and the Browning falls out of my sock. So I kick it because, of course, when you kick something, it spins and you can barely see it. So it looked like a um, a fidget spinner and I booted it toward the elevator. So I'm running like down the, down this this lobby with this gun in front of me spinning, hoping that nobody's noticing down that there's like the spinning gun in front of me. And I'm like running with it and it the, the elevator door opens up and it opens and it falls right in there and the thing closes and I pick my gun up and go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I ain't had no stories like that because um, normally if I see a sign that says um, don't bring your handgun in, or no concealed yeah. weapons. I just don't give them my business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this one was, uh, I was working for the government, and there was a war going on in the country we were in, and I was not going to protect uh, me or the principal with uh, just some harsh words at the time. So I had to risk it. <laughs> some rocks, I'll be good. <laughs> You're right on, right? <laughs> my name ain't David. I did it more than, more than the sling here. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but, you know, going back to the whole skill portion, um, actually that once again, that backs up the whole mindset that you was conscious enough to realize what would have happened, what would have took place and what to do to cover it up, but keep it moving, Mm -hmm. you know, but the skill portion of it was, okay, you kept kicking it to give the illusion that it was something else, you know? So obviously you practice that somewhere in your life, maybe as a child, so um but you know it was quick thinking you you thought on your feet your feet your feet i can't even talk right now (laughs) i thought with my feet so that was good though i survived and then we got to the room and i got you passed my brown extra browning to another officer we're like all right my man is doing it (laughs) now if somebody was to ask you um what type holster um to carry or anything of the such what would you recommend I'm a big proponent of um, in the waistband uh, hybrid holsters. Like the reason I even deal with the uh, crossbreed holsters is because I actually believe in it. I like that leather against the body with the Kydex mixed together. Um, I've had, I've used everything. Um, I started off with the cheap stuff. I've even had a couple of um, really good uh, cross draw holsters, which they're like horrible on the range and horrible everywhere else except for in the bathroom, if you got to carry a gun for a long time, all day long and travel, a cross draw, man, is the is the bomb. If you got to right. go to a foreign country and then have some Montezuma's revenge and you can still be armed. So I got reasons for everything. But um, I think <laughs> I think in the waistband, uh, a hybrid holster. Got to have some leather because leather just just breeds. Sometimes the. Um, I even use um. Blackhawk Serper, I was like pretty pretty f- fond of that one too. Um, that one, that one locks. That one has a really good retention, but you got to practice that thing because it has like a really funky thumb brake that's built onto it. 
I use that's outside the waistband. That's that's my favorite when I'm doing a course or a class somewhere, and all I have to do is put a Hawaiian shirt or a t-shirt underneath of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I'm not a big fan of the um, the Blackhawk Serpa. Okay, and the only reason being is when we was over, you know, deployed overseas, we was doing some training, and we was just doing some different stuff on the range. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was like somebody took you down and you had to get up and, you know, engage mm-hmm. the target. And they tell you like what to shoot. And we oh, had like okay. triangle square, right, right, yellow, right. Open, mm-hmm. whatever um, the, um, the test was at that time. Mm-hmm. And one of the soldiers had the Black Hawk Serpa. Which level do you know? I can't re- really remember. This was back in like 2005. They got some ones that you ain't getting that bad boy out. It just locks yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, dirt got up in there. And you know, oh, that, okay. that little lever, you got to push the, mm-hmm. pull it out. That joker sitting there steadily pushing it. Oh. Nothing's happening. And we had to like take it apart in order to get the firearm out of it. Oh yeah. That'll do it for me. But that'll happen. Yeah. So that, that was the only reason mm. you know, I don't recommend people to um, train with that one they might have fixed it by now but i'm not certain but you know with me when i talk to people i always tell them i don't go for that one because i always explain the story as yeah well. if, if i was going to take a class like that now that's the one i'd pick actually because i've used it enough um yeah now um man i got like about 10 different holsters oh yeah you're gonna have a box yeah so <laughs> like over the course of the year yeah you're gonna but, have a box yeah, so normally, like, if I was to recommend a holster to somebody, mm-hmm. um, I always tell them to either go with a JM4, um, NSR, or Bravo Concealment, you know. Um, but if you go with um, the JM4, get the the Relic series mm. because that's more like Kydex also, but it's mm-hmm. lined inside with leather. Okay, you know? yeah. yeah. Got to have a hybrid. Then, um, yeah, so everybody knows who... Um, Bravo concealment is everybody. Um, well, not a lot of people know who NSR is also, but all of them are great um, holster companies. But the most comfortable holster I have to this day is a friend of mine in Florence, South Carolina, who trains jujitsu with me. Also, he does. He makes holsters just for a hobby. Mm-hmm. I just showed him a picture of one and I was like, yeah, man, I want to get something like this, but you know, they want $180 for that. That's too much. I'm not paying that much for a holster. Right. Just joking around with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, you know, he asked certain questions and I told him to answer. And then about two weeks later, he was like, Hey man, I got something for you. Gave me a holster. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. So, um, I wore it around for about two weeks and that's my go-to okay i like i like the old-fashioned all leather joints too but um you know leather stretches also but usually by the time that thing is done i'm i'm chucking it so it has to (laughs) while while it's good it's good because then you got the lightweight and it's not something i'm gonna use at a course or it's gonna be like more than once it's like once i break the seal on this thing then you know that's it. I don't want. I wanted to like secure the firearm at one time, and if I got to go into motion, then I'm not going to be putting that thing back or nothing. So I don't care about the the Kydex. You know, how, like when you had a range at a um, competition, you got to reload and load safely and all that stuff. Le- right. You ain't getting that with no leather. You got to like make sure you don't pinch your waist and 
yeah. squeeze the thing open and try to get it in there and all that. So it just depends. Every everything's like clothing it has to be, you know, for the reason that you're getting it. Yeah. So of course the audience won't be able to see this, but um, this is the holster. I mean, yeah, that I was telling you about. Okay. So you know, I believe in carrying the extra magazine with the um, gun, of course. But then too, you can also separate it and wow. then wear the magazine portion on one side and have this on the other side. But I like it together like this, mm. you know. And, and that's where you train. Yeah, this is how I train. Yeah, that stuff matters. You gotta, you gotta yeah. train how you're gonna shoot. Yeah, the only reason I like that setup is because as soon as I shoot one round and mm-hmm. I finish firing, automatically I'm changing the magazine in case of a counterattack or something. Right, right. Have to be prepared, you know. But um, it but even tactical. so, yeah, that's just how I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this right here is that JM4 relic. That I was oh yeah, about, yeah. You know? yeah. A whole bunch look like that. Yeah. So this isn't Kydex. This is um made out of Boltron, a polymer called Boltron. Oh really? Yeah, and it has like the leather on the inside. Ah, okay. Very beautiful. Um, but this one, because I rather carry appendix carry, but this one is one that you carry at the three o'clock position. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but they do make these the relic series and appendix carry also. So because I'm a relic. Yeah. So, but like I said, but for whatever reason, this one right here, and I keep telling my buddy to go ahead and put these in production. So he told me to come up with a name for it. And I was like, okay. I, I can't remember what I exactly told him. I was just goofing off one night. And he was like, yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> you know, I think I said something like cargo and passenger or something silly oh, okay. like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. be on the store tomorrow yeah <laughs> all right well here were five things um for you to consider with edc and michael i've been just cutting the fat and having a good time i'm hoping that you got something out of this and if you got any questions or comments um critiques feel free to send us a note and you'll find us both at blackmanwithagun.com need some ammo check out ammo.com it's your best source for ammunition online the shipping is fast the customer service is good and they sell name brands you can trust ammo.com and if you like saving money as much as i do use the link ammo.com forward slash black man with a gun how cool is that did i hit it ammo.com MarylandShallIssue.org. It's an all-volunteer, nonpartisan organization dedicated to the preservation and advancement of gun owners' rights in Maryland. It seeks to educate the community about the right of self-protection, the safe handling of firearms, and the responsibility that goes with carrying a firearm in public. MarylandShallIssue.org. This is the group, your group, the grassroots group in the state of Maryland. Join us. No matter where you are, MarylandShallIssue.org. And Michael, you're up again, buddy. Today we're going to discuss ways to get effective training while at home or at the range. Whenever you hear people talking about training or practice with a firearm, it is mainly taking place at the range. 
Is this the only way that will help you get better? Let's talk about a few things that I think will assist you in improving your skill set. A number of people believe that you need the latest and greatest items to make your training necessary. But if you do not have the big name company backing you, let's figure out how we can get some quality training in without breaking the bank. One, while at home, you can do a number of practice sessions from trigger manipulation, magazine reloads, and drawing from the holster to name a few. But with each example given, all you need to do is contribute five minutes to each. If you do this every night, then your progress will show faster than someone that does this for three nights. Number two, so you don't have the targets that you see while at the USPSA match or IDPA match. Majority of the time, you can recycle an already used target by placing a sheet of paper with designs that you printed from the computer, paper plates, paper cups, sticky pad paper, index cards, and the list can go on. Just remember, Use your imagination, but keep it safe. Number three, this is my favorite. The metal stands that is out of your budget. Have no fear. For the past couple of years, I've been using PVC pipe stands for when I go to the range. We will talk about this bill in a future video, but it's an effective measure that allows you to head to the range and get some good quality training with a DIY stand. These are some suggestions that can help you out, but just use your imagination and come up with a plan that will carry over after a training class to keep your skill set sharp. For those who are looking to contact me, visit blackmanwiththegun.com and under the About tab, click on my name, Michael Woodland, and shoot me an email or phone call. Please leave a voicemail or a text message, and I promise I will get back to you. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. A few years ago, a friend of mine started this thing called the United States Concealed Carry Association. It's an education, training, and self-defense insurance company now. It's for responsible gun owners. You can get complete peace of mind when you join USCCA today. If you carry a gun for self-defense, you need this. It's a whole package, education, training, and self-defense insurance. Call my friend. The number is one 877 488-8353. And if you missed that, go to the link at blackmailthegun.com for USCCA.
Georgia, Georgia, a song of you comes as sweet and clear as moonlight through the pines. You know, back in the 80s, there was a huge flux of migration, not really migration, but people were moving out of the cities, the crack wars, the cocaine, the drugs was heavy, and everybody wanted a simpler life, a better life. So a lot of folks who had done well, affluent, African-Americans, for example, moved out of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., and they moved to Atlanta. It was a housing boom. I mean, and things really perked up in Georgia. In 1982, the Kennesaw City Council unanimously passed a law requiring heads of households to own at least one firearm with ammunition. The ordinances state the gun law was needed to protect the safety, security, and general welfare of the city and its inhabitants. Georgia joined a handful of other states allowing concealed carry, including Vermont where no license was required. New Hampshire, with a 1923 law. Washington, which made issuance almost mandatory in 1961. And Connecticut, where in 1969 a handgun review board was established to minimize arbitrary denials. And this, of course, was all before Columbine and Sandy Hook. But there was an underlying thought in Kennesaw. It was thought that it was to arm the citizens against the African-Americans that were coming. The undesirables. Nobody in the gun community would say that out loud. But it was inferred. Georgia has a past, you know. In 1833, Georgia enacted a law that provided, quote, It shall be lawful for any free person of color in this state to own, use, or carry firearms of any description, whatever that the free person of color so detected in owning, using, or carrying firearms shall receive upon his bare back 39 lashes, and that the firearms so found in the possession of said free person of color shall be exposed to public sale. This is Georgia. In 1848, the Georgia Supreme Court rules that, quote, free persons of color have never been recognized here as citizens. They are not entitled to bear arms. This is from Cooper and Worsham versus Savannah. In 1868 to 1870, in 1868, the white members of the Georgia House of Representatives and Senate expelled the 32 black members on the grounds that the state constitution did not recognize the right of black citizens to hold office. Following that expulsion, several hundred blacks and Republicans marched 30 miles from Albany, Georgia to Camilla, Georgia for a political rally to support of the removal of black legislatures and presidential candidate Ulysses Grant. Many of the blacks were armed with walking sticks, shotguns, and other various firearms. As the procession approached Camilla, the Mitchell County Sheriff, Munford S. Poor, rode out to meet the marchers and tell them not to enter the town with firearms. After his admonishment, the sheriff returned Camilla to organize an ambush of the marchers. When the marchers arrived at the courthouse square in Camilla, the white residents opened fire. 
the marchers bravely returned fire before retreating from the scene into the surrounding woods. One of the marchers, at least nine were killed and nearly 30 wounded. Six whites were reported slightly wounded. In his report to Georgia Governor Bullock, General George Gordon Meade assigned blame for the massacre on the marcher's refusal to obey the sheriff's orders not to bring arms into town. Two years later, in 1870, the General Assembly prohibited the possession of guns at, quote, public gatherings. In 1870, law says that no person in said state of Georgia be permitted or allowed to carry about his or her person any dirk, bowie knife, pistol, or revolver of any kind of deadly weapon to any court of justice or any election ground or precinct or any place of public worship or any other public gathering in the state except militia muster grounds. If you fast forward just a few years to 2016, 2017, 2018, there is now the National African American Gun Association based out of Atlanta. And the goal of the National African American Gun Association is to have every African American introduced to firearm use for home protection, competition, shooting, and outdoor recreational activity. They are a pro-Second Amendment organization focused on the preservation of our community through armed protection and community building. They welcome all people, all religions, all social and racial perspectives. And I think technically they're in Griffin, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta. And one of the best conferences I've ever attended was a part of GeorgiaCarry.org. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's non-compromised voice for gun owners. Check it out, GeorgiaCarry.org. Georgia, Georgia, no peace I find. Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Alright, that's the working man signal that is done for today. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting your friend and your brother from another mother. I'm hoping that this week was a good show for you. It was for me. If so, Please feel free to share it with somebody and tell others about the black man with a gun. And I got a request for you. Don't let me forget to let your smile change the world. But don't let the world change your smile. Just in case nobody has told you this today. I love you. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next time. Shalom, baby. Hey, this is a PS of the podcast. Again, I want to say thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting this show. Thank you for being a part of my life and making me want to do this thing every week for 12 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been that long. I am a creative joker. If I'm not making something, I'll explode. Well, one of the things that I've done outside of the firearms world is I've started a book series a fictional series about a blues playing werewolf named Solomon Love. I'm up to book three. I'm waiting on my editor to get back to me and I've created a whole website to talk about it and to be a part of it and to start this thing. It's um, 
a pro-gun blues playing werewolf. How about that? Do me a favor, really. Check it out at KenBlanchard.com. Look for Solomon Love. I got two books so far. Where the Moss Grows and Voodoo Child on Amazon.com. Thanks. That's KenBlanchard.com.